the events of the 30th of January 1972, which is when British soldiers from the Parachute Regiment shot and killed 13 innocent civilians. Hello and welcome to the latest film club where Tim Hewitt and I discuss Bloody Sunday, the 2002 film directed by Paul Greengrass. Now this is a very controversial subject and Tim and I do our best to navigate our way through it. The movie depicts a watershed moment in the Troubles, after which it seemed there was no end in sight. 13 civilians were killed and a 14th died two months later. This pod is actually out before my interview with Peter Taylor, which will be released next Saturday. So when you hear me say listen to that, you absolutely should, but you'll need to wait until next Saturday. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Coming up, I've got Serhii Plokhi on Ukraine, Charles Spencer on Charles II, and plenty more. In the meantime, I'll hand you over to me and Tim Hewitt talking Bloody Sunday. Tim here, welcome back. This is the Film Club. Listeners, we are talking Bloody Sunday. And this movie is directed by Paul Greengrass. Came out in 2002. I think actually it was a TV film, but might have had a limited release on cinemas. And this is a film that obviously, by its very name, is a depiction of the terrible events of the 30th of January, 1972. And listeners, this is going to go very well. If you're a regular listener, you may already have heard my interview with Peter Taylor, the legendary BBC journalist of Northern Ireland, who arrived in Northern Ireland for the first time ever, the night of Bloody Sunday. Um, but if if you haven't heard that, please, please really recommend going back to listen to him and me chat about the troubles. And so this is a discussion with Tim. Uh, thanks very much for joining me, Tim. This is I think this is your choice. Thanks for having me. Uh, yes, I remember we talked about this a while ago. Uh, I think it was because when we did our top 10 film, his, historical films, Paul Greengrass's United 93 was on mine and we got to talking about this film because it should also be if that is then this should be so I think it was like you know okay we've got to do this film because it's so good it really is Mm. it's a stunningly good film Mm. and I've been trying to find where to watch it for our listeners if they're trying to find it and I struggle to find it on on it's not on Netflix it's not on Amazon Prime it I don't That's think it's an Apple. Yeah, I don't think it's an Apple. So if if you if listeners want to find another way of finding, it, I I would not I wouldn't say yeah, I can't. I'd happily agree. lend listeners my DVD of it. But, yes, um, yes. But, but I can't agree if you go down the illegal route. <laughs> no, no, no. I would never. We're only that. robbing the filmmakers. Exactly. <laughs> and so, okay, so this this film, two thousand, made in two thousand and two. Now it's interesting. This film is the events of of. The 30th of January 1972, which is when British soldiers paratroop from the paratroop reg- regiment, the first, I think it's the first parachute regiment, mm. shot and killed 13 innocent civilians. So this is a, a terrible event and it destroyed any chance of the troubles being over anytime soon at the time. So 
directly led for an, to at least another 10 years of of conflict it boosted the the event itself boosted not the film the event itself boosted the the ranks of the IRA with huge numbers of vol- highly motivated volunteers and it was one of the key turning points in the troubles along with the hunger strikes in 1980 81 and then through to Enniskillen 87 and then the peace broke process that broke out and started under John, Major, John Major's premiership and then ended with with the Good Friday Agreement with Tony Blair in 1998 so I think we've we've we're at tw- the 25th anniversary this year of the the Good Friday Agreement the the peace in Northern Ireland I have a lot of connection with Northern Ireland. So it means a lot to me. And I think this film is so powerful, so well, so well done. It's shot in black and white, which I think is important. Almost black and white. Oh, oh, really? Is that a technical? You're picking me up technically. Well, then. <laughs> I think it's just a very desaturated look. So it's not, it's not quite full on black and white. It's like um, a very they've squeezed out a lot of the color kind of taken the the little the the saving private ryan desaturated look but a little further okay coming from a documentary filmmaker which you can tell i think you know when you were saying it's such a good film i mean it's very difficult at some points to tell it's a film because it's so real that i would i think if you were to come in halfway through you would be forgiven if you thought oh they're just capturing some actual real event here but it's interesting you say that because this is a highly controversial event because obviously it involves Mm. the armed forces of Mm. the united kingdom shooting their own citizens and that's what that's what that's what it is that well yeah no argument about that and but there, I mean, there's a huge. I mean, certainly a huge argument at the time, and there was a, a there was a, a an inquiry took place. The Widgery inquiry took place within quite a short period of time, which was effectively a whitewash. And all members of the platoon uh, involved, or the the paras involved in the in the in the shootings, were uh, absolved from from any blame, which just made matters worse. And weren't, they, weren't they actually decorated by the Queen? You're absolutely right. He was he was awarded an OBE the following year. But That's astonishing. That, that it is astonishing. And <laughs> I, I mean, he himself has given interviews to Peter Taylor, uh, the the BBC journalist, where he strongly defended his role and basically defends his men, doesn't regret the thing. It's it makes for it's interesting, you know. You read his in- interviews with him in uh, with Peter Taylor, and they're available, and you, you can get find find this stuff on YouTube. So, listeners, I'll put links um, in the show notes for for some of the links for the individuals involved. But he is interviewed, and and he completely defends his men. In and these were acts that this film was made before the bloody Sunday or in fact, during the bloody Sunday inquiry, which I think began in 2001, this film was released in 2002. The bloody Sunday inquiry ended in 2010 was an the prime minister, Cam, David Cameron issued a, a, a full apology on behalf of the British government quite rightly. Yeah. 
And so, but this, this, it's interesting, this, this documentary is made, this film, sorry, I call it a documentary, it's a film made right uh, during the inquiry or just before the, uh, you know, during the inquiry was being held to find out what happened. And actually, you know, if you look at the findings and I've, I've read summary document of the bloody sunday inquiry there's a very good book and listeners may be aware of my interview with douglas murray who wrote a brilliant book on the bloody sunday inquiry so i'll put links in for that as well it's a brilliant book douglas murray no friend of republicans is very clear on apportioning blame to those members of the parachute regiment and so we'll talk a little bit more about that but yes it's it's a it's a a uh, hugely controversial uh, i mean it shouldn't be controversial in that everyone should accept what happened but that wasn't the case the army fought it particularly the parachute regiment and i think they would ch- would challenge anyone who criticized what what happened on on bloody sunday but anyway so the film the film itself it, it's a tv film tim and i was list- looking here and it cost it cost two million to make but it only made half a million in the box office. But I assume because it was, I think it was first shown on ITV. So, I mean, would it yeah. get taken into account, you know, like, like basically what I'm saying is it costs 2 million to make and I'm worried they only got half a million in the box office. They lost money. Yeah. I think it's, I think it, they did give it a limited release, which I think is why it was eligible for, for BAFTAs, I believe, because you need a, which it didn't qualify for in the States because it didn't get a theatrical release in the States, I don't think, in which case you aren't eligible for the big awards because I think you need at least a week in a cinema, I think. Things may have changed, but yeah, so I I mean, I think that's probably why it didn't make its money back because it didn't reach enough people, which is a shame because it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's not easy. It's not an easy watch. It's... Yeah, I, I'm a bit worried about one of our categories. So <laughs> which, which which is, is best, that best scene? Uh, I mean, I'm yeah, because sure. it's difficult. Yeah. But I mean, well, I mean, you know, for anyone who knows the film, you know, the meat of the film is is one particular sequence. <laughs> you know, there's there's the stuff at the beginning that's a little bit, you know, you, you kind of want to put in inverted commas, a bit more movie ish in its setup. You know, just kind of like the lead up to the events, but it isn't really a traditional narrative in the sense that, you know, it's it's basically just depicting the, a sequence of events that happened to the point where this is why I was saying before that you'd be forgiven to think that it's actually real because it it really does play like a documentary. In uh, I would say ninety percent of it, but it um, is linear. I mean, with the last it's linear. Yeah, our last film club was a film Dunkirk, which was you know, on first viewing, a little bit confusing, whereas that's not the case in this. No, I would say this is almost the opposite style of filmmaking to Dunkirk, which is an extremely polished piece of work, is this is so raw and and rough, you know, evidently made by a documentary filmmaker, which is what Paul Greengrass was. And, And you can see, I think you can see in an instant that he got the born supremacy because of this film. You know, the born, the born Identity, which was the first film, was a great film, but Greengrass just elevated 
the second one in terms of his camera work, in terms of the way he he it's fast editing and cutting and shaky camera and long lenses and and you just go yeah I mean this guy should probably direct most action films now I agree I think Supremacy is the best of, of, of the board. <laughs> yeah. although I love the third um... the Ultimatum which he did as well of course yeah. but he he's he's um and then you know he, the 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 fact that he did United ninety three in such a similar style and the thing is is he gets quite remarkable performances out of his actors. You know, we were talking earlier about one of them in particular who, was in an, who isn't an actor in this film, but gives as good a performance as any amazing actor does. I think... Who is that? Uh, so Simon Mann, who plays oh. the... Who plays... It's a fictional version of the real yes. character, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he plays Derek Wilford, the commanding yeah. officer of the parachute regiment. You know, and he, he's just... He's, he is so good because he's so real he did the sim- he did a similar thing with uh, united 93 the the air traffic controller in that film was the actual air traffic controller on the day although we should we should be we should point out simon man had nothing to do with bloody sunday no sorry yeah so he, he um, absolutely not involved at all yeah, um, he, whilst we you've brought him up so we should mm. mention simon man is an interesting character he was, a, I think, a Scots Guards officer who then later left the army, became a mercenary. And he was involved in a coup in southern Africa. And the coup then, the plan was to, I don't know if any listeners have seen the film Wild Geese, but it sounds like the coup, the people who ran the coup watched the wild geese and thought we should do this. Let's do that. <laughs> and I think the country was Equatorial Guinea. Yes. Yeah, it was. And Simon Mann basically was going to overthrow the government, install a, 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 a government sympathetic to either Zimbabwe or, or South Africa. I think it was South Africa. And there was a, a power broker who was funding it a sort of, um, wealthy individual involved in South Africa who might or might not have been Mark Thatcher, the son of the former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. Anyway, the coup got like it was blown. Simon Mann was thrown in thrown in jail in Equatorial Guinea for a while. He was basically betrayed, I think. And it, this all came out in the newspapers. This is about 10, 15 years ago. So for listeners, if you're interested, it's worth a bit of a Google search to look into it because it's basically the wild geese in real life. Yeah. And Simon Mann is the individual who was commanding it. And he plays Colonel Derek Wilford, the commander of the 1st Battalion Parachute Regiment that was responsible for the actions of that day. And as Tim, as you've just said, He's 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 a very good actor. He's, I mean, it's remarkable how good he is, in fact, because he's he's so good that, of course, this is a scripted film. So when the other officers, are, you know, in in when there's chaos going on in the streets and the other officers are talking to him, he's listening to them as if he has never heard these lines before. And he responds in in such a natural, realistic way. You know, when even little ums and uh, and he's and and 
it can't quite believe what's happened. He knows exactly what's going to happen. It's, it's all written down, but he does it so well that it's, it's, you know, he's going to be in the running for a little category later on, I would say. But okay. Well, um, well we haven't mentioned, and, and, hmm. and, and which is a crime. We haven't mentioned the main <laughs> star of the film. I know that is a crime. Jimmy Nesbitt, who is, this is his greatest ever performance. Oh, absolutely. Undoubtedly. Followed is, closely by The Hobbit. I haven't seen that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, don't mention silly films when we're trying to talk proper cinema. <laughs> no, I completely agree. I take that back. I'm terribly sorry. Um, um, Ivan Cooper. He, he plays Ivan mm. Cooper, who is a, a, me- a prominent member of the SDLP, the Social Democratic and Labour Party in Northern Ireland. This was the. This is a nationalist party that was pro uh, um, uh, a re- Republican Party, but but pro uniting the island of Ireland. But through peaceful means, unlike Sinn Féin. Um, so therefore, you know, John Hume, most famously leader of SDLP, probably responsible more than anyone. If you were to name one person, it'd be John Hume. If you name two people, David Trimble for the peace process. And and so Ivan Cooper is a member of the SDLP, a Protestant so not Catholic, obviously, and from Derry, London Derry. And he was the leader of this civil rights march on that day, on the 30th of January, 72, which ended in a murder. And uh, Jimmy Nesbitt plays him. And it's just from the opening scenes where he's organizing, he's got all these annoying questions from people, you know, (laughs) what about the placards and stuff Mm. like that? And he just doesn't have time for this annoying. He has to have but a such quick a nice, shave up in the bedroom. Yeah, but he's such a nice. He's such a nice character. Oh yeah, he's not he, rude to anyone. No, he's, and he really sympathises with him when he's, yeah. uh, he's he kisses his wife goodbye, and then he's um, and he's got to get the phone. He's got I've got to answer the phone, and <laughs> yeah, um, and he's being hounded by these people. He's and and the thing is, is the way he keeps repeating it's a peaceful march. You know, it's yes. going to be a peaceful march, peaceful march, and. You know, you just so sympathise with him when it all kicks off. You know, the terror in his in his face and his eyes. I think I was going to say that that there there is a moment where he can hear gunshots. People are telling him what's happening. The look that that Nesbit conveys is I don't know. Oh, he get. Oh, it's just is yeah. When when he's hiding behind a car, I think, and one of the guys comes out. An older gentleman comes out. Is it the priest? I think, and he's like, "Get down!" And he's shouting, "Get down! Get down!" And the guy gets shot, and then he, and James Nesbitt just gets up and walks over to him, and the guy is obviously dead. The way he's looking down at him, and sort of almost, sh- you know, shocked to the point where he can't move, is so powerful. He's brilliant, really. It's just a brilliant. Uh, every every single actor in it, from the young guys who at the beginning, you know, who uh, one of the young guys who's married and has a baby. Yeah. And then he goes on the march and he's shot. They're all just so good. I, I don't know. It's just like a brilliantly cast film uh, and just brilliantly choreographed film because the chaos is so potent, but obviously it's been carefully put together. It has it and it's based so chaotic. It's based on a an account given. Hmm. by a number of witnesses that actually interestingly make up 
a lot of the the inquiry, the Bloody Sunday inquiry, which took 10 years and I think 100 million pounds, the account is, the, the film is based on that account. And I, I'm not for a moment saying that it's exactly the same as the, the Bloody Sunday inquiry's findings, but it's not far off. So so we can talk about that but what what i've you know one thing that i that i find very frustrating about the british involvement in northern ireland or the british army's involvement in northern ireland is there so for example the use of the parachute regiment why you're using a highly aggressive unit known for their yeah, I've said that you know, known for their aggression, they, they they were even they were stationed in Belfast. They didn't really know Derry when they were placed over there. They were there a week earlier for another demonstration that went all tits up. No one was killed, but they were they were criticised for using excess force. And so when they then uh, here in 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 Derry in London Derry, the commanding officer at the time. Derek Wilford was saying that he didn't like the way that the the regiments that were based there before the paras had got there had been a bit too passive, not forceful enough. And he was going to go in there and show the, <laughs> they called them the Derry hooligans. And I use that in inverted commas. And so he was going to show them what's what they didn't want to be another word. He used another phrase he used was aunt Sally's. We didn't want to be Aunt Sally standing by a barricade being having stones thrown at us and not doing anything, any response. There was a, a controversial message, memo, written by, uh, the, I think it was the commanding officer of land forces, who's played in this film by Tim Piggott-Smith. Brilliant. He's May, such uh, Major very, General Robert Ford. Yes. Very sadly missed Tim Piggott-Smith. Robert Ford had 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 issued a, a a memo where he had. It's a bit controversial, and I don't want to get bogged down in in the wheres and the why fours. But basically, a phrase got picked out of what he had he had suggested, which was basically for the army to to go in hard. And and this to me is insane. You've got a civil rights march. Okay, so you're going to have a few idiots who peel off the march and throw stones. Yeah, but they were used to that sort of thing. I mean, the throwing of the stones, you know, was just a, a kind of like a normal occurrence. You know, yes. it's not something that you would go, okay, well, now we're going to shoot them all. And in fact, there's that line in in the film, in the last sort of third of it, where one of the para guys looks at, at his colleague and says, what the, hell, what the hell are you doing? You were shooting civvies. And the soldier says no terrorists you don't kid yourself or something yeah um, I, that that's partly yeah so they've they've heard what some of their commanding officers have probably hmm. told them you know and this is why sort of like a blanket insane, statement insane to send the paras in at the time i actually asked peter taylor the journalist who's very he's very clued into all sides so each side respects him and will speak to him so hmm. when i say each side you know, the army the RUC, which is now the PSNI in Northern Ireland, the, the police service, the loyalists, paramilitaries and the uh, IRA and all respect him. And when I said to him that I was amazed that the paras were sent in such an aggressive unit, they provide a huge number of recruits to the SAS. They are 
they they're they're not shrinking violets by any means but he's even with the benefit of hindsight i would still say it was an insane move to send them in and he was a little bit more understanding saying that you know you have to realize what was happening at the time because the uh, there was a view that the ira could be beaten and this was a way to beat them but this is a civil rights march so uh, and that's not to say uh, i don't want to sort of misquote peter taylor i mean he he is he he is hugely respected and doesn't for a moment sympathize with the army on that day and uh, if you want to hear more you should listen to my chat with him but i, I still i don't understand I think it was hugely irresponsible to send the parachute regiment in. Yeah, as it, and and as we can see from the results. <laughs> yeah, so we'll get to our category. So the first category, get, we'll we'll do best performance. Well, I mean, you can't really not give it the to Simon James Baker Nesbitt. Award for best performance. The Simon Baker Award for the best performance. I, you know, I, I, I would say you, the the star of the film is is he's brilliant. He. It's such a great piece of work and he carries the whole thing on his shoulders, really. It would be a little unfair of me to say, particularly if I were in the presence of James Nebs, but to say, I thought you were amazing. However, I do think that the award should go to the non-actor. Yeah, the amateur. Yeah. You know, who is, who is I, you, I must say, astonishingly good. Did but he act? I don't think he acted I, again. No, it's the only thing he's done. And I think he did it because he 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 didn't sympathize with the army, but he did want to to at least, I, I don't know, give a little credence to the position there or. or so I, they, they were shot at on the day they mm. were shot at by because the IRA, there as it's interesting, there is an actor in it and I, I don't know the actor, but mm. he plays someone who looks a little bit like a young Martin McGuinness. Right. So he's wearing a sort of parka. He's mm -hmm. got short, curly ginger hair. Oh, yes. Uh, he's yeah, commanding the IRA. And yes. Iver, yeah, the yeah, Nesbitt yeah. character goes over to him and says... Look, In the car? Yes. Yeah. You're not going to cause us any trouble today. Mm. And he says, no, you can have your little demonstration. We'll, we'll yeah. get out of your hair. He goes, yeah, it's easy for you to say with your Westminster paycheck. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Ironic, given Martin McGuinness was later a Westminster MP. Mm. Yes, very. If that was intended to be Martin. meant to be, yeah, yeah. L looked a little bit like a young Martin McGuinness, though. Mm. But um, I think you've got. I've, I think we've got. Well, I think I've got to nominate. I've got to give it to James Nesbitt because it's yeah, just. No it's it's his career best performance. It's he's so good in it. So so well done, James. <laughs> he wins the aspects of history best Simon Baker best performance yeah. award. Um, uh, yeah, it's incredible. It really is. I, I mean, a shout out though to Tim Bigot Smith, who plays mm -hmm. General Ford, yeah. and then also Nicholas Farrell. Uh, yeah, we like, like him. Farrell. He plays Aubrey in the not Charge of the Light Brigade. He plays Aubrey in the Chariots of Fire. Uh, yes. And is a well-known British actor. He's always yeah. Good. He's in. He's always in Kenneth Branagh films. He's he plays uh, Horatio in ha Branagh's Hamlet, and and the lead uh, one of the leads in uh, the other another very s small Branagh film called In the Bleak Midwinter, which is quite a sweet film, which is about 
a bunch of actors putting on a production of Hamlet, by the by. Kenneth Branagh, famous son of Belfast, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, and and then I think another shout out to Jared McSorley, mm-hmm. who I, I just think is a brilliant actor. Is in He plays, there's a very good TV film made of the Omer bombing where he plays... He plays the father of one of the victims of the Oma bombing, which took place in, in 98, killed 30 people or something. It was the worst atrocity yeah. of the Troubles. Jeremy almost every single film about Northern Ireland. He, he, yes, yes. <laughs> he's in the box uh, uh, with Daniel Day-Lewis. He is, yeah. Um, he's in Braveheart. Which he is, is in Braveheart. I was going to mention it's... that, yeah. Jeremy Sawley's actually... He play, but in this, he plays... He plays... A ro- the role of um, Inspector Chief Inspector Legan, who was mm. um, a member of the RUC, the senior officer in Derry, London Derry, um, the Chief Inspector mm. of the RUC on the day. And Legan is an interesting character because he was largely ignored by the army. Well, as is depicted in the film. Indeed. Quite, quite obviously, yeah. And he was a Catholic. So quite unusual in the RUC, which is populated by predominantly mm. uh, Protestant officers. And he had involvement in, I highly recommend the, the Peter Taylor books, but Legan is an interesting character that, that McSorley plays is because he had a, he had a sort of indirect line in through a, through a friend of a friend of Martin McGuinness. So he had a kind of an indir- indirect route into the IRA, which was which which was helpful in that he could ask for weapons to be removed if there was going to be a demonstration taking place unfortunately i think i don't know the ins and outs of it i don't think anyone does but he was removed from his position a few years later and who knows why possibly because he was catholic in a in a large mm-hmm. protestant but who knows anyway uh, so we we've done best performance we're now going to move on to the best scene, which is is difficult because one doesn't want to describe it as best, but no, but it's I mean it it's just so real that the the when the shooting starts, it's it's quite it's just like the cameras capturing this chaos, misses bits of the action, captures you know some bits wherever the camera's pointing obviously very planned out because you can't really do this and wing it. I wouldn't say when you're making a film like this, but it's so, it's so great. It's so intense that I would probably have to, to, to say the best. I, it's kind of what the film's gearing towards, yeah. isn't it? I agree. Uh, I've got to be honest. Some of the scenes, you know, like for example, the scenes with uh, Jared uh, McSorley and Nicholas Farrell in the off when they're inside where uh, Greengrass tends to shoot most of this film evidently with very long lenses so that the camera's a long way away from the actors kind of capturing it from a distance yes you know and and there's just like quiet talk and and you know they're talk, sort of talking at this level and blah, blah, blah. but it's flip, flipping intense stuff that, that that scene where nicholas elliott uh, nicholas elliott nicholas farrell mm. who plays Ger- uh, brigadier mcclellan he is talking General Ford, Tim Pickett Smith, through the plan. Everything looks fine, you know, and they're sort of, we'll only send the paras in if we, you know, if, yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah. if we're going to get trouble. And he seems to want to sort of contain it. And Ford's like, 
uh, yeah, but we, you know, we need to send them in if, if mm. there's even a hint <laughs> of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and you just see this sort of this is this is events moving whilst one man, which is the McClellan character, who's who's devised the plan and just events just completely get away from him and he is no longer in control. I've got to give a shout out to even the little characters like the guys who in that same scene in the when Pickett Smith is is being told what the plan is. You know, even guys who, I mean, I wouldn't even know their names as the actors, but so, when they're asked, so, you know, what's the movement here, there, and where? And the guys who, who just start talking, they talk not as actors who tend to talk fluently. Yeah. But when you're making, when you're, when you're thinking on your feet and you, and you don't know exactly what you're going to say, there's a, a stutter, there's a little bit of, uh, it's um, a it's a bit of a, a military patter. There's a sort of military, sort yeah, of and it's way of speaking. They yeah. nail it so well, yeah. That you absolutely, go, Hang I on. completely they, they, agree. They've learned yeah. these lines though. They've actually learned the script, but they're doing and, it. But so, so soldiers, do, but soldiers and officers in particular don't talk like you or I do. They talk like you know, we've got to move mm-hmm. our bridgehead here, and then we move your men forward there, yeah. and that's how we're going to do it. And there's the sir with yes, uh, we have the uh, uh, troops moving. Um, the you know, it's kind of like this kind yeah. of little staccato, but the way it's the guys who are listening to the this podcast who watch the film now, if they watch it after this, just remember that point because they are so good. Even Simon Mann does it as well. Yeah, he's listening to his his men. But his eyes are kind of looking off slightly, kind of devising as if he's actually picturing the situation in his head, which maybe the reason why he's so good at it is because that's what he does. Yeah. You know, he's literally just doing what he does. He's got a lot of experience. Yeah. Yeah. James Nesbitt, uh, absolutely, because he's, you know, at no point do you think, well, he's he's an actor playing the role. He's just absolutely brilliant and and utterly authentic as well so i i and the woman who plays bernadette devlin's very good i just i don't know if she's done anything ever since she's not she's not particularly i've not seen her in anything mary mary molds yeah i've not seen her in anything else i haven't either um but she's really i mean bernadette devlin is a sort of wonderful firebrand politician who never went all the way into Sinn fein and you Mm -hmm. know down the violent route i mean but was always passionate Republican, was actually shot by loyalists, shot many times by loyalist paramilitaries in the early 80s, I think it was. And funnily enough, ironically enough, the one unit that came to to save her, I, I say that in inverted commas because there's a lot of confusion about this particular attack, but the parachute regiment took her to hospital after she was shot by loyalist oh, wow. paramilitaries. I didn't know that. Yeah, so so she she I mean she's an incredible person, Bernadette Devlin. Um, right. So so I think we have to say, as horrible it is, the scenes of of the paras shooting innocent civilians is the most powerful scene in the movie, no doubt. Sure, sure, absolutely. Okay, so we've done best performance. Simon Baker um, award for best performance goes to Jimmy Nesbitt. Done best scene most unlikely scene this is going to be very 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 difficult 
it depends. You know, this is where it gets a bit political because some people might argue that Martin McGuinness was very active on the day. So the vision of 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 a Martin McGuinness in his car, if it is Martin McGuinness, saying, "Oh, don't worry, we'll 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 you know you go you go and um, do your thing, and we'll 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 chill out back here." <laughs> some people yeah. argue that didn't yeah. happen, but I think by all accounts, and I think the inquiry found this is the they did stand down that day. So I don't know. I, I don't. I I think it's going to be very difficult to find a scene that we find unlikely. Yeah, because the thing is, is that it's easy. Like when this scene was born in Argo, which is you know a a, a Hollywood film. Let's not as much as we love it. It's a Hollywood film. This isn't kind of you can't paint this with the same brush. This isn't trying to soften any edges. It's not adding any scenes in that is like, you know, we've got to make this a little bit more audience friendly and a little bit more accessible. You know, he made this film evidently going, I'm going to depict exactly what happened. So it's very tricky. Okay, what about, okay, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and go for it. Mm -hmm. And we've just talked about a scene involving the army officers there is no, or at least the filmmakers, I, I don't know how they would have known that, 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 you know, that you would have had that uncomfortable scene between the RUC officer and the, and, and the McClellan, Brigadier McClellan mm-hmm. and, and General Ford. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm scraping the barrel here, <laughs> but if I, if I were yeah, to yeah. be forced, I would say maybe the scenes, that we think are so good and effective are the ones that are maybe unlike. It's not even unlike. I say, I, I, do you think we're going to have to suspend the? Uh, we may the, have to. Yeah. It's um, <laughs> yeah this speaks it's, to the obsession with realism I have in mm-hmm. film. Uh, my favorite films are the ones that are most realistic. Yeah, I'm, I agree. I mean, to be honest, I, when I watch films like this, and I, I watched this last night again because. I think that's probably my fourth time that I've watched it. When I watch films like this, it it and this is me. Uh, um, everyone who's listening, when uh, being a filmmaker, they they shatter your confidence because they you go if only if I. You're can filming make a film. at the moment, the listeners. Tim is is making a feature film as we speak. Yeah, but now I'm. It's you know when I as I say when I watch something like this, I kind of go actually maybe I should just just forget it all because it's this these are such good films they're so well put together they're like i don't but for I two million that's actually it. in in for it, it costs two million to make mm. that's not actually that much it's not that much it, but you've, but well it's not that much for a feature i mean this was made in 2002 so it is 20 years ago on but it's quite contained even though it's outside with crowds on the streets but they probably did it i don't they didn't shoot in Derry. they uh, i know that they didn't shoot in Derry. they shot in name for this escaping me but regardless of that that probably actually wouldn't have cost very much money but it's the it's the realism that's so astonishing i mean it as i say you forget you're watching a film because it's so real which is the credit you know it's real credit to the to paul greengrass he's 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 one of the best at doing this. Um, no wonder he got the film after the Bournes, after the film he did called Green Zone. He did a, a film called July 
27th about the massacre in yeah it's excellent in norway which is amazing as well it's because he's he doesn't gloss over with any sentimentality or anything he just literally goes for the point so this and, this didn't get a nomination at the oscars which i think is because no, it wasn't officially because it wasn't officially released no but it um, was nominated in the baftas for best single drama but it lost out to mm. conspiracy the branner one which is yes, which is the depiction of the Vansi conference, mm. which actually is excellent. It's really good, yeah. But I'm not sure you can compare it to this. I mean, it's in fact it is the opposite of this because that's in a room, yeah. at a table for the yeah. whole thing. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I, in all honesty, I would pick this over that. I mean, oh, I, yeah, lo- me I love too. conspiracy. I think it's conspiracy is great, but it's it's. I still have an issue with things like conspiracy, which is the whole. You know, they're all English, <laughs> playing the Germans, talking in English. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I and 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 this is this is. I mean, this was the 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 springboard for the Paul Greengrass's career, and then of course he went on to make another film, which I think is amazing, called Captain Phillips with Tom oh, Hanks, yeah. Yeah. which you know was the the birth of "I am the captain now" line, uh, which is legendary now, and and you can see his style. In pretty much every film he makes, I would say, maybe not so much in a film that he made with Tom Hanks or Western, which he wrote as well, called News of the World, which is an excellent film, again, based on a true story. I mean, he does well with his true stories, which I recommend for listeners if they haven't seen that. It's on Netflix, I think. It's a, it's mm. a, bit, it's a bit comfortable. It's the most comfortable film Paul Greengrass has ever made, but it's still very good, I think. It's still powerful. Yeah, great film, okay, amazing film. So that's okay. Fine. If you're gonna go, I think you'd have to sacrifice that category now. Yeah, for I, think, this film. I think we, I think we're gonna have to. No doubt. Yeah, uh, it would feel very churlish, <laughs> churlish. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so legacy. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. This is certainly, it certainly meant a lot to me. This film, but mm. I don't know. Do you think it was seen widely, and therefore has that kind of? Legacy? I don't think it's been seen widely enough. I do know people who know it who think it's astonishing, but they know films. You know that they, they kind of watch everything, like like you and I do. But it's not. I you know, I don't think I've ever seen it in any one hundred best films that are ever made. I this don't would think be I in have. my top 100 films of all time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Me too. But I don't think I've ever seen it in any Empire magazine or Time Out or, I don't know, Channel 4 have done, I think, top films and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it really should be. I'm sure The Bourne Supremacy is in the top 100 films on some list. This really should be, I think. It's it arguably Paul Greengrass's best film. Yeah, well, you will upset him if you say that because this is his sort of. Isn't this his first feature film? Well, yeah, he cannot. This is where the whole TV thing comes yeah. in because he's made he made TV films before this of a feature length, but I think this was the first that ever got a theatrical release, albeit a limited one. But you know, he made up for it with his next film, which was the the Second Born film. So, you know, I'm sure he's happy. Well, you know, he he did a brilliant account of, I think the book is, it's interesting, the book itself is important. The book, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's called Voices of Bloody Sunday. Eyewitness Bloody Sunday, I think it is actually, which is what he's based the film on. And it's, you know, obviously the the clue is in the title. 
And that was quite an important book in that it helped with the Bloody Sunday Inquiry as well. So I think for that reason, that makes the legacy mark quite high. We forgot to mention, it also won the Audience Award at the Sundance Film Festival, and it got the Golden Bear at the Berlin Film Festival, which are both huge film festivals. Why it didn't get a a bigger release, I don't know, but it should have done. It's got it now. So, so yeah, thanks to you, and you. <laughs> it's now got its it's got its place as a as a legendary film. So, listeners, it really is worth hunting down and finding. And if you have to pay, pay, and <laughs> it's worth it because it's just a, it's just a brilliant film, and and as close to what happened as we'll probably ever get. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it is available on DVD. So, so what a DVD is what like two pounds now. So, um, yeah. I I highly recommend hunting it down if you can. Brilliant. Well, Tim, thank you so much again. We'll we'll be joining up. Uh, it'll be July, and we'll have another film to discuss. But we haven't worked out what that is yet. But we. Will. I'm pushing. I'm pushing. We'll, we'll, we should. I would say it would be sacrilegious not to talk about Oppenheimer when it comes out. Nice one. That's because great. it's it's extraordinarily significant. Okay, let's do that. And then we've got you know, well, we've got the whole of cinema to choose from, and I'm I'm still rooting for Gallipoli in, in my list. We'll do Gallipoli. <laughs> okay, Tim. Thank you. Uh, Ollie, thanks so much. Bye, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. Links are in the show notes, and don't forget to listen to next Saturday's episode with Peter Taylor on the Troubles. Until then, thank you and good night. <laughs>